Hello and welcome to a Thursday, February 23rd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and I hope everyone had a great all-star break. You know, the weekend, uh, which obviously didn't get much TV ratings, that's been kind of pushed around, but I actually enjoyed it. I thought the uh, all-star festivities, the Saturday ones were pretty solid. The dunk contest after a couple of years finally had a decent one with McClung coming through with some pretty unique and creative things to be able to go ahead and make that a dunk contest that at least won't be immediately forgotten about. But more so than that, it gave us a couple of days off, a couple of days to get our breath and to get ourselves back into a mental state for the stretch run leading into the end of the regular season. Trade deadlines out of the way, rosters are set, we're seeing teams go ahead and get picked up, uh, pick up their players off the waivers, all of that is set. And now we're in a position where we can get right into what is a nine-game slate to get us back onto the NBA tip. And we're going to start that right away. But before that, as always, get yourself over to sportsethos.com and get yourself signed up for the DFS Pass, where for a very small subscription, you can get yourself access to the live injury report, our Discord, where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to see just where those injuries could make that difference in your lineup. And you get access to all of our other great content on sportsethos.com to get you up and to date with everything that's going on with the NBA world. But let's jump right into the games here. The first one is Denver going in to Cleveland over here. A 223 game total on this one. The Cleveland Cavaliers favored to win by two and a half. As far as injuries are concerned for Denver, we know that Jamal Murray is questionable for this game. Looks like he may uh, be able to find himself onto the floor, but if not, uh, we'll see what that rotation looks like. And on the other hand, Aaron Gordon will continue to be out with that uh, rib bruise that he's had for the last couple of games here. As far as Cleveland is concerned, though, it's pretty much all systems go, except for Ricky Rubio being out with his uh, injury management still. And of course, we had the uh, Kevin Love move, so that is another kind of change for their roster itself. Looking at the Denver side over here, there's a number of areas that I am pretty interested in. First and foremost, with the Jamal Murray questionable status, I'm definitely keeping an eye out on that because if he is out, then we're going to see just that little bit more of Bruce Brown as we have been over the last couple of games here. Not necessarily the most high upside player, but a guy who has a pretty safe floor of that low to mid-20s. And for someone who's sitting at 5,000, who's probably going to end up playing kind of mid to high 30 minutes in a game that should be pretty close all the way through and really need him to defend that backcourt that is the Cleveland Cavaliers, I expect that we could see a potential 30 DK point night for him. What's also going to be interesting is what Reggie Jackson's role is going to look like. Uh, He's going to be coming in and is not on the injury report, so he should be playing his first game here. Uh, Likely to jump right into backup point guard duties now that Bones Highland is out as well. There should at least be a 20 to 25 minute roll for him, assuming that Jamal doesn't suit up. So for 4,600, you could definitely do worse there. And that same extends to Michael Porter Jr. as well. We saw leading into the All-Star break, he put up a number of solid performances kind of in that low to mid-30 DK points, which is a pretty safe floor for him given the fact that he will likely be shooting anywhere between 15 to 18 shots on this offense with just Jokic being the other guy there with him. So for 6,000 as a small forward, I always like that. A small forward guy who's going to have pretty decent usage all the way through, pretty solid upside over there. And 
I'm not going to fault anyone for taking Jokic. 11800 is obviously an expensive price for him, and I do think there are a number of centers on the slate that we can spend uh, less on and actually have some pretty pretty good upside given the um, given the value that they'll offer. So we'll stick with that, but Jokic is obviously going to be a solid, solid pick regardless. On the Cleveland side here, that's where a little bit more uh, you know, circumspect here. The prices are pretty... Uh, pretty fair for what they should be. Mitchell sitting at 9500 Garland at 8400 Both of them at a pretty solid and fair price where you know, I may be a little bit more inclined to take someone like a Garland in a cash game, but not necessarily with the upside that I am looking for. Uh, if I have a little bit of interest, it might be in Jared Allen at 6600 But again, kind of going back to what I'll be speaking about with some of these other mid-tier centers we'll be, we'll be having kind of later on in the slate. I just think there's opportunities for them to be able to get 6 7x, and Jared Allen's probably, with his price tag, which is slightly depressed, I do think this is a good price for him, he's probably going to be in a position where he could get 5.5 to maybe 6x, given uh, how the night ends up working out, especially if uh, Denver is able to keep this close all the way through. Moving right on to the second game over here, which is Detroit going into Orlando here, a 227 game total with the Orlando Magic favored to win by 7. As far as injuries are concerned, uh, it's uh, Marvin Bagley who's going to be the only one out as far as Detroit goes. And on the Orlando side, they're actually all systems go with uh, everyone on their regular rotation getting themselves healthy for this game. Uh, as far as options are concerned, though, not too, too much interest overall for me. That being said, I do think Killian Hayes at 4700 is just a bit too cheap at the moment. Uh, he's already shown his upside with assists. He hasn't had a single game below five to six dimes over the last month plus now. And that gives him a pretty safe floor given that he's going to be playing around 30 minutes, which he got back to in that last Boston game before the All-Star break. So 4,700, a guy who can give you 30 on a pretty uh, regular cadence, just given how often he plays and how involved he is as the regular point guard. I do like him for that price. I probably like him a little bit more than Jaden Ivey, who probably will take more shots, but has uh, you know kind of shown the propensity to not be as involved on the uh, on the actual ball handling side of things once uh, Killian Hayes is uh, kind of up and running functionally. So uh, about an eight you know a eight hundred dollar price tag difference between the two. I think Killian Hayes is probably the safer pick and has um, the upside that could get you about uh, thirty on there. Jaden Ivey though on a really good night can get you somewhere in the mid thirty. So both could be potential options to be able to take over here uh, on the Orlando side. With, first of all, R.J. Hampton getting waived. Not a huge uh, impact on the rotation itself, but it is just one less guard for Orlando to worry about. And Cole Anthony is going to be back uh, for this game as well with uh, that little wrist injury that was coming through here. So we're definitely going to see a little bit of a kind of committee approach as far as the guards are concerned. So really, I'm kind of avoiding all of the Orlando guards in this one, even though their price tags otherwise would be pretty decent. Uh, we saw Jalen Suggs right before the uh, All-Star break in that Toronto game get nearly 30 minutes in that one where he was able to get really hot from the field. I don't necessarily know if he's going to get those kind of minutes again, but he's shown that he has that uh, ability to put up shots in a hurry and get himself a pretty decent uh, point total there. So between, you know, Fultz, Anthony, and uh, Jalen Suggs, I think there's going to be one of them that have a, a pretty good night there. Fultz is probably the one who's locked himself in to the uh, kind of mid-30 minutes role, really playing super well this uh, this season. Has had two great games coming into it. I just don't know if this is the game to be able to uh, jump in on him to have the big upside here. 
Moving on to the uh, Boston-Indiana game, though, which is a 232 game total. Boston going into Indiana, favored to win by eight. And they are also uh, back fully healthy now. We saw Marcus Smart get back onto the floor right before the uh, All-Star break over there and looked like he hadn't gone at all. 29 minutes, was able to drop 38 DK points, and he remains my favorite Boston player to take in fantasy in general, both in cash games and in GPPs, depending on what his price tag is looking like. And at 6400 absolutely love that for him there. Uh, he's likely going to be pretty popular for good reason, but he's so shown consistently that he has that mid-30s uh, kind of capability on a very regular basis as far as his uh, fantasy outlook is concerned and for him to be uh, sitting at that 6400 price tag where I think this will be a matchup that they want him on Halliburton as much as possible I expect that he'll get uh, more of an opportunity to be able to continue with that good work there and it's going to be kind of where I am uh, looking at it that being said, that guard rotation in general has been very solid for Boston altogether. Even with everyone back, we saw Malcolm Brogdon still able to play about 30 minutes there, drop 40 DK points on that one, and Derek White about the same as well. So uh, I do believe Marcus Smart has the kind of best outlook from the three, but I think all of them are very solid options. Uh, Brogdon and White might be a little bit more of a, a dart throw, while Smart is you know, the one that you'll definitely want in, in, in cash games out of the three, but they could all have good nights there to get anywhere between 5.5 to 6x for their value there on the indiana side though i'm just straight up avoiding this I, I do think this is a bad matchup from a defensive standpoint boston has consistently stifled uh the uh, the opposition as far as just pure scoring there uh, we are seeing a 232 game total here so we'll see how that ends up working out but uh, halliburton despite him having a very solid game against boston last time around for 9600 it's just a little bit more than i'd want to pay in this kind of a matchup if it was closer to say 9000 i'd be feeling a little bit more uncomfortable taking him in what would be a tough matchup here and that's pretty much going to be where I, uh, I look at it here because the rest of the rotation with them being fully healthy doesn't really have the uh, the biggest upside. Miles Turner we know can have big nights there, but I think at 7,200, there's just better options to be able to take on center on this night. And we're going to be getting into some of those better options right here as New Orleans goes into Toronto to take on my Toronto Raptors here at 226 game total with the Raptors favored to win by five and a half on this one. And as far as injuries are concerned, it's really just the usual suspects as far as uh, Pelicans are concerned there. We know Zion is going to be out not only now, but for the next uh, couple of weeks as well. Uh, that being said, it looks like Larry Nance is going to be able to get himself uh, back onto the floor. And as far as Toronto is concerned, good news for them is that uh, OG Ananobi has been officially upgraded to questionable here. Obviously missed a number of games with his wrist on that road trip that we had. And uh, they're hoping that uh, he can get himself back on the floor for this one so that the Raptors can be fully healthy. But as far as who is of interest between these two games, it's really the two centers that I'm looking at. On the Pelican side, Jonas Valanciunas, 6,100, has consistently had great games against the Toronto Raptors. Doesn't necessarily need to play uh, 30 minutes to be able to get there. And now that the Raptors have Jakob Pertl on their side, who is going to be kind of my, one of my favorite picks, on the other hand there, I do expect that we're going to see a lot more kind of traditional big man lineups over here. So would not be surprised to see Valanciunas hit his kind of 28, if not uh, to 30 minutes on this matchup, which as we know, anytime he gets that kind of opportunity, he's a great kind of points per minute producer over here, has been in pretty good form as of late. His rebounding numbers have been consistently double digits in uh, three of his last six games and just lots of that uh, profiles out uh, pretty well here alongside the fact that it always is a bit of a revenge game for him whenever he comes out, obviously kind of leading back to 2019. 
Balchun as always just goes ahead and uh, finds a way to put a little bit more emphasis on this matchup here. But for Jakob Pertl, who's coming off one of the games of his career, leading off into that All-Star game, obviously had that monster 39-6 and game, which is ridiculous. 57 uh, DK points on that one. Worked out well for me because I did see him uh, finally getting his regular start, but man, for him to do what he did on that one is definitely going to make him pretty popular over here. His price tag is going to start to adjust as he becomes uh, that regular kind of starting center that the Raptors very, very badly needed for a long time, kind of leading into uh, leading into that trade deadline. So 5,900, take advantage of it. He's got the upside to be able to hit anywhere between 6.5 to 7x for that uh, price tag. So you know, if we're looking at someone who can get you 35 to 40, given the fact that he's going to be playing uh, anywhere between kind of 30 to 35 minutes on, on this kind of a matchup, I like him. I like him a lot to be able to go ahead and take him. He's probably going to be my favorite center play on this slate. On to the Memphis and Philly game, which is a 229.5 game total with the Sixers at home favored to win by 3.5. As far as injuries are concerned for that one, it's really just Steven Adams that continues to be uh, ruled out for the, uh, the Grizzlies themselves. And on the Philly side, they are all systems go. But as far as uh, really guys that I'm looking at over here, it's really just the guard slot that I've got a little bit of interest in, and it's on the Philly side over here. I do think Tyrese Maxey is just a bit too cheap at the moment. 5,300 is just way, way too low for a guy who's not only going to be playing 30 minutes for sure, but has shown himself to be a super important cog to this Philly offense and is starting to get himself back in the groove. Obviously had been uh, out for a little bit and overall just had been really starting to get himself uh, kind of going as far as the offensive standpoint is concerned but regular double digit shot attempts in the last couple of games the only concern is whether some of the ancillary stats can help back it up but for someone who's sitting at 5300 and is likely going to get somewhere close to kind of 18 to 20 points like actual points in the game doesn't need too much to be able to go ahead and get the rest of his stat line to work out in a matchup that i do expect is going to be close and is going to be requiring tyrese maxi to be involved in the in the offense here given the fact that we're likely going to be seeing a lot of Dylan Brooks being jumped on uh, onto James Harden to try to throw him off his game. Maxi could benefit from a lot of those kickouts that uh, James Harden is going to be able to go ahead and uh, create on there. And we haven't talked too too much about uh, you know expensive picks as of yet, but the first one I'm going to go ahead and throw out there is Joel Embiid, who is consistently just dominating this Memphis matchup over here. Earlier in the season as well, nearly dropped a 70 DK point bomb on on Memphis there, and. You know, given that uh, we've been talking about some of these other centers, uh, Yaka Pertle is definitely my favorite I, up until now. But you have that utility slot to be able to throw in. And if I am looking at who I think in terms of price ups is going to have potentially the best kind of overall DK points night, I'm finding that um, just how it's uh, projecting out for me that Joel Embiid is going to be up there. And at 11100 he's a little bit cheaper than some of the uh, Doncic's and the and the Jokic and the Lillards of the world, where I do expect that he'll be able to take advantage of that and have that little bit more buffer to be able to have a bigger night on a slightly lower salary. So take that where, where it is, and uh, hopefully we can take that to the bank because I expect Embiid to have yet another monster night over here. Moving right on to the Spurs going into Dallas to take on the Mavericks in what is the uh, biggest spread game of the night, a 237 game total. The Mavericks favored to win by 14. So obviously trying to game script a blowout over here, which again, I'm always wary of just given the fact that the NBA just doesn't, doesn't have those or games where you think it's going to happen and it just doesn't. But regardless, uh, the reasonings is 
because of how uh, beleaguered we are seeing the San Antonio Spurs. Trey Jones continues uh, to be out for this matchup. Is listed doubtful, unlikely to be able to go ahead and get himself on the floor. Uh, Jeremy Sohan is also listed as questionable, so we'll see what ends up happening with him while on the Dallas Mavericks, it is all systems go. On the Spurs side, it's really going to be that one area that I continue to just target until his price uh, adjusts or when Devin Vassell gets back, which is Malachi Branham. Uh, 4,500 has had kind of three out of the last four games all well above his uh, his price tag over here, and his price has actually dropped despite the fact that he, that he put up 39 DK points in that last game before the All-Star break. Spurs have absolutely nothing to play for beyond just going ahead and uh, getting their uh, rookies and getting their um, kind of young guys all the opportunities that they would need to be able to try and develop. So, I mean, I'd love if Jeremy Sohan was here as well. I'll be keeping an eye out on that injury report. I expect him to also um, you know, be on the floor and be able to make a pretty big impact if he is. But Malachi Branham is going to absolutely be one of my favorite guard picks of the night. 4,500 has the upside to already do what he's shown, which is you know, 30 35 DK points, which will happen if he does end up playing those kind of low to mid 30 minutes, which he absolutely should, despite whatever the uh, score line is looking like. And that's why I'm kind of more um, likely to take him than uh, be looking at any of the uh, price up options here, both on the uh, Spurs and the Dallas side, otherwise, where you know, I, I think both Doncic and Kyrie. It's way too expensive for what I expect is going to be hard for them to be able to need uh, to hit kind of 50 plus as far as DK points are concerned. We could see uh, Luca be more of a kind of facilitator on this one, and everyone just kind of uh, shares the love as they uh, will likely win this matchup. It just is by how much that's going to be the case. So let's see how that works out. Going into the late night games now, the last three games of the night, first one being the Oklahoma City Thunder going into Utah in a 240 game total on here. So the highest of the night alongside the upcoming Blazers and Kings game. But what's interesting here is Utah is favored to win just by one. So very much a kind of coin flip game, see how it ends up going here. But that is where we start to talk yet again about potential spend ups over here. And Shea Gilgis Alexander for 10,500 in a matchup where Utah has struggled hard to be able to contain any sort of guards and also uh, we see that uh, you know Shea just continues to be that little bit more efficient, uh, kind of away from home as well. He attacks the basket a little bit more, is able to get to the free throw line a little bit more as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Utah is able to kind of put together to try and defend him because trying to think of a uh, Jordan Clarkson <laughs> kind of staying ahead of a uh, of a Shea it just doesn't seem like it'll work out too well. And also we know that uh, Colin Sexton is not going to be uh, on the floor here. So we're really going to be seeing a lot of some potentially some of these new signings that they have there. Uh, just try and put a, some sort of a body on him. And I honestly expect Shea to absolutely feast. So uh, if we're talking about kind of spend up guard, he's going to be my favorite spend up guard on the slate. 10,500 is where I'm looking at uh, for his side. While on the Utah one, really, it's uh, Kelly Olynyk. That's just where uh, I found myself kind of consistently going. We're seeing him get back to his regular minutes total. Had two absolutely monster games going into the uh, the slate here. And plain and simple, it's clear that uh, Olynyk is kind of back to where he was early season before uh, he had that little bit of time off, lost uh, you know a bit of his slot to Walker Kessler, but now they're clearly working together and it's and it's working quite well as far as uh, Utah's offense is concerned. So 
uh, for him. I expect his price tag will start to get back over to that kind of high 5,000s, uh, kind of low 6,000s that we were seeing earlier in the year. But until then, for a guy who has power forward and center eligibility, it's definitely going to be someone I'm looking at given I can slot him in in uh, quite a few places, especially if I am kind of spending up on um, on some of these either, you know, Shays or Embiid's and, and seeing how uh, I want uh, kind of a cheaper forward to be able to fit in. So Olenek fits that bill for me. The Golden State Lakers game is the second last one of the night. 238 and a half game total. Lakers at home favored to win by five and a half. And as far as injuries are concerned for the Warriors themselves, Steph Curry, continues to remain out we're gonna have to see when he uh, gets himself back on the floor because he is going to be evaluated in at least a week over here and uh, Andrew Wiggins has also been ruled out for this game so we're going to be seeing more of that uh, pool party coming through I just don't think for uh, 9100 I'm going to be super interested in that Uh, the Lakers both Anthony Davis and LeBron are listed as questionable but honestly it's highly highly unlikely that uh, either of them end up missing out over here in fact they're both uh, being kind of pushed over towards probable as well we saw LeBron have that uh, interview kind of during the All-Star break here where it's kind of like his final push uh, to really be able to make the playoffs over here. I expect that we're going to see a lot more LeBron uh, kind of big games here to try and put the Lakers over the hump, get them into that kind of play-in playoff contention and see what they can potentially do to make some noise now that uh, they've got their kind of roster rejigged or have been looking pretty good in the last couple of games, but we'll see how that ends up working out. As far as DFS is concerned for this night, I'll go back to what I've kind of said overall. In these kind of uh, big marquee matchups over there, Draymond Green automatically becomes a guy that I'm always looking at because you know he is going to be kind of taking it up to that next notch there. He's just one of those players that waits for certain matchups in which he can go ahead and make his impact. And we already had that Lakers game slightly before the All-Star break where he dropped 41 DK points in a 103-109 game with them. We know his shot attempts are never really going to be there, but those assists, those rebounds, steals, blocks, all of those uh, end up working out to give you a very, very solid floor. And even though 7,400 is a bit more expensive than he has been for a little bit, I do still uh, think that he has that kind of mid to high 30s uh, capability in him pretty pretty uh, solidly over here given the fact that the matchup is there so he'll probably be more of a cash play for me but he's definitely still got that gpp upside to be able to get into the 40s as far as his dk points are concerned so keep that in mind and then if you're looking to spend up on this game over here you know lebron is probably one of those guys that as i said is going to be really looking to uh, do what he can to push through and get his team to the playoffs and also the warriors always is that game that he is just always looking it's just the ultimate rivalry game for him at this point now earlier in the season dropped 62 on them in that one as well so for 10,700 with which actually is you know a pretty uh, decent drop from the 11,000s that he had reached uh, by the end of January over there I think has got uh, you know the opportunity to be able to go ahead and have another monster game over here definitely a cash play can still be thrown into GPPs as well if you decide not to spend up on you know one of your Shai Gilgis Alexander in beads or any of those uh, LeBron James ends up being that small forward that you can always plug in and he's absolutely going to uh, kind of pay you back for the price over here with the ability to go a little bit beyond that as well. The last game of the night, the Portland Trailblazers going into Sacramento to take on the Kings, a 240 and a half game total for this one. So the highest of the night, as I was alluding to earlier, Sacramento favored to win by six. Now, as far as Portland's concerned, they've definitely got some big injuries to deal with over here. Uh, We know that Anthony Simons is uh, injured now and 
who knows when he's going to be, be back. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic as well, same situation. Uh, we don't know when they're going to be back here, but that has opened up you know, the kind of playing time, the slots for a number of these really cheap value plays that I do think are going to be some very, very solid picks. While at Sacramento, all systems go as far as their injuries are concerned. But for Portland, kind of going back to it, that trifecta of those guys sitting at 3,500, 3,600, 3,800, which is Matisse Thybul, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Shaden Sharp, all of them are in a great slot to be able to go ahead and do some real damage over here. I do expect Shaden Sharp to be the one who is going to be the biggest upside of the two, of the three, in fact. Uh, the uh, kind of traditional guard of there uh, really has shown his offensive capability up until now, but also is starting to get better on those ancillary stats. He's kind of sneaky good as far as uh, being able to rack up a couple of stocks, and he gets uh, more rebounds than you'd expect for a guard as well. So for 3,800, he's already had games where he's dropped kind of high 20s to low 30s as far as DK points are concerned, so the upside is definitely there. Uh, while we know that uh, both uh, Reddish and Tybal can rack up stats in their own way as well, Tybal more so from the uh, defensive side of things. I mean, he had that big game against the Lakers, but unfortunately was a bit of a dud in that Washington game. But just the price tag makes it low enough that you don't need too, too much out of him for him to kind of pay you back for what he's doing. While Cam Reddish, he's just purely going to be out here scoring. So if you're expecting just a big kind of scoring night, scoring binge to be able to uh, kind of make up for the fact that he doesn't really get much in terms of ancillary stats, he could end up with somewhere in the mid-20s as far as DK points are concerned as well. So lots, uh, lots to like over there. I think all of them are solid options given how uh, your lineup ends up working out. Uh, Shaden Sharp being my favorite of that and the fact that he has that shooting guard eligibility as well uh, allows me to slot him into a couple of different places where I did have those other point guards that I'd spoken about earlier that I'd probably end up liking uh, otherwise when you know, Malachi Branham, Tyrese Maxey, uh, your Marcus Smarts, those are going to be kind of the main guards I'm looking at. So him being a bit of a pivot works out well for me. While on the Sacramento side, I just think everyone is priced at a very kind of solid area where they should be. Uh, we did see that uh, kind of leading into the uh, into the All-Star break. Uh, more of that uh, rotations coming around. Keegan Murray starting to play consistently in that 30 minutes mark, but then had two dead games going into the break. So don't really know where to uh, kind of project him out. So I'm going to stay away from it for now. I do expect this to be a super high scoring game. So uh, just in general, uh, both uh, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk are going to be kind of in the mix for me as GPP plays, where I expect if they can get hot in a high-scoring game there, they could end up with kind of 30 DK points for their price tags, which is obviously very solid, just not necessarily the safest of play given the other opportunities that are there. That's going to bring us to the end of the main games over there, moving right into the Thrive Fantasy side of things, where, of course, your player props are where you're looking at to see what is going to be interesting. And going back to what I was talking about earlier with uh, Luka Doncic being more of a facilitator in this game, I expect in that Spurs-Dallas game, not necessarily the closest of there. Doncic is going to be looking to get those like small triple doubles that he often does in these kind of games and just you know a good night's work and move on. 7.5 assists for him to get above that is 100 points, and I think he will hit that pretty comfortably in this one here, being more of that facilitator, getting his role players involved in a game that should be a pretty comfortable victory for them. And then going back to that LeBron James side, I do expect that we're going to see a big LeBron scoring binge for the next uh, little while here to try and push his team over. 32.5 total points is a little bit on the um, kind of outside of that, but I expect that he's going to do it. I just have a feeling 110 points for him to go above that will be my pick and my prop to look into that. 
But that brings us to the end of what is a pretty packed slate as we return to the NBA landscape after a little bit of a break. Myself back on the mic as well. You can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil where you can let me know whether you think LeBron is going to be on that scoring binge able to get you over to the DFS glory and if the Lakers are going to find a way to be able to get themselves into the playing tournament as well. But until then, we'll catch you on the next one. Let's go ahead and kill some of these GPPs and welcome back. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.